The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, everyone. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know we're doing a live taping of our sister podcast, The Next Big Idea, in New York City on January 31st. Our guest is going to be Chris Dixon, a venture capitalist at Andreessen Horowitz, who's helped direct more than $7 billion to crypto technologies. He's got a new book coming out, Read, Write, Own, Building the Next Era of the Internet. And we're going to ask him, is crypto dead? Are blockchains over? Is Web3 irrelevant? Or do these technologies still have the power to shape the future? To learn more, go to betaworks.com slash events or follow the link in the episode notes. Hope to see you there. LinkedIn presents. Great leaders lead with humanness, with realness. Put yourself out there and other people will do the same for you. Hi, I'm Michael Kovnat. This is the Next Big Idea Daily and it's Monday. So back to work for most of us. Although for many of us, work doesn't look like it did a few years ago. A lot of people are working from home now, at least part of the time. And even those who do go into an office probably get work calls or emails, even when they're supposed to be off the clock. And the demographics of the workplace are changing too, as millennials and younger people take over from their Gen X bosses. So how do you manage in an environment like this? How do you form strong, effective teams? Well, we're gonna get some advice today from Mike Michalowicz, Mike is a best-selling author, entrepreneur, and speaker. He's built some multi-million dollar companies and become a sought-after keynote speaker on small business topics. Here he is to share some ideas from his book, All In, How Great Leaders Build Unstoppable Teams. Let's go into the first insight from the book. It's about fit. What I want you to take away from this is that the goal of a leader is to match the talents of individuals, not to titles, but to tasks. Most business owners try to fulfill titles with talent, but the reality is if people are given the opportunity to do what they're best at, they will excel. And it's usually not confined neatly within a title, but within titles, subcategories to that are tasks. And if we match up people's talent to those individual tasks, you'll find they morph outside the traditional pyramid structure of a title-oriented organization, and they flow into more like a web-like structure. I hired an individual to work for my organization and he came in as our CFO. He had certain talents that were perfect for that role, but not all the talents that were necessary. And sure enough, after a few months, it was clear he couldn't fill that role. But I had made a grand mistake. I was calling him the CFO and he saw opportunities to work for other organizations at CFO and pointed out how woeful his salary was compared to what he deserved to earn. I tried to point out that he didn't have certain talents that we needed but he was confined to this title and ultimately left our organization. In the same company, we tried a different strategy. I noticed that for our receptionist role, we needed someone that could greet walk-ins and answer the phone and also do some data entry and some light accounting. Our salesperson had to close opportunities, but also farm opportunities and track data in our CRM. What we found is our salesperson was great at closing and great at data tracking, but not so good at the farming component. And we noticed our receptionist was great at greeting customers and building these really organic, healthy relationships with our prospects, but was not good at the data entry. We blurred the titles. We matched task to talent. We found that the person filling the receptionist role, she was best at doing the farming task and also for greeting customers coming in the door. 
And our salesperson, who was great at the data, took over some of the invoicing and the light accounting and the other data entry. Both people flourished because they were doing what they were talented at. Match talent to task. What if instead of 10% of the population being A players, what if everyone was? And in all my research, I concluded that was exactly the case. Everyone has A potential. They simply need to be put in the right role to exploit that potential. And admittedly, it may not be at your organization, but everyone has a fit somewhere. Our job is to find that potential. Now, most organizations vet out on experiential ability, what you see on a resume, on innate ability, what a Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, Predictive Index, all those different tools can evaluate. But very few look at potential ability, what someone can become. You can do this by running workshops. I suspect you may be familiar with Home Depot, and maybe you heard they do these birdhouse workshops where you can go with some family members and you can build a birdhouse. Well, do you know during that process, they're simply watching people's participation because potential reveals itself always in the three same stages. First, out of curiosity, interest in the first place. Then desire, I want to repeat the process. And then thirst is I can't stop doing the process. The Home Depot employee running the birdhouse workshop is watching to see the most engaged people. They tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, we'd love to have you work at Home Depot. Have you ever considered that? And this is a concept that's been around forever. And there's a near trillion dollar industry exploiting this. It's the sports industry. We just have an opportunity as business leaders to deploy it there. Professional and college sports recruit their athletes through workshops, camps. You go to a camp to improve your skills. As you improve your skills, they are observing who's the most participative, who's the people with the most desire and thirst. They tap you on the shoulder. They invite you to other fields so you can demonstrate new talents and learn more. And then ultimately, they can pick the people who are the best fit for them. But here's the beauty of the workshop. Everyone gets better. Everyone improves in the process. Everyone now knows how to make a birdhouse that went to that Home Depot workshop. Everyone that went on the field got better at the sport. And the best people, the best fitted people for the organization had the opportunity to work for that organization. I interviewed Jewel Kachera. She's retired as a recruitment director at the University of Chicago Medical Center. She ran workshops or workstations to evaluate people's skills and ability. Specifically, they had candidates that were interviewed in the traditional process. They're asked questions, and based upon their answers, they're prioritized. In this case, they also ran those same candidates through these skill assessment workstations. One station that was managed by Jewel herself was specifically for the process of doing a check-in for a new patient. Jewel emulated someone with cerebral palsy, and she was familiar with the symptoms of cerebral palsy because her roommate had it. Fine motor skills are difficult, and something as quote-unquote simple as taking out your identification could take a full minute to do. What Jewel found is that some of the candidates were abrupt and curt. One person, in fact, ripped the ID out of her hand and said, let me do it. While other candidates showed patience, offering assistance. The candidates who were best in the skills assessment were not necessarily the people who were best in the interview. It was the dominant person who, quote unquote, crushed the interview, but was abrupt and not catering to the customer's needs, who was qualified as the number one candidate in traditional interviews. But in the skills assessment where people demonstrated their abilities, the right people were selected. Sure enough, the University of Chicago Medical Center had its best recruitment ever by running workshops. You can do the same. The third insight I want you to take away is the concept of safety. There's multiple layers, and if you investigate Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can find them embedded in there. 
We all have a need for physical safety, financial security, and emotional. And of course, there's more. But great leaders provide a safe environment for all the levels. There's the story of the ghost girls. These are women who are working in a factory that made watches for soldiers in World War I. They use a material called radium. And if you remember the old watches that had the dots on the dials that would glow in the dark, that was because of radium. What these women would do is they would take a paintbrush, dip it in radium, drop a droplet on the watch. They'd use their mouth and lips to pinpoint the brush so they could again repeat the process of dipping in the radium and putting the radium on the watch in a very pinpoint manner. Well, in a matter of time, these women started to glow, hence the name Ghost Girls. Their skin, in fact, was glowing. And not shortly after that, tumors started to appear and other terrible ailments. The radium dial company back in the 1920s denied any culpability and said this wasn't hazardous. It actually ultimately brought around OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety and Health Association. And with the unfortunate suffering of so many workers at that plant, and through this instance, it became very apparent that workspaces had to be safe. And clearly, in modern times, it's clear we need to have physical safety. But I didn't even know that my own organization didn't have it. We ran an anonymous survey, and I invite you to do the same. And I asked my colleagues, among other things, how safe do you feel around our environment here at the office? And multiple people said that the alleyway that leads to the parking lot is pitch black at night. And when leaving the office, people feel uncomfortable walking down the alleyway for their safety. So the solution became very apparent. What I realized as a leader of our team is that for the second half of the day, my team consciously or subconsciously is worried about their safety. They're worried about walking down the alley. The solution is simple, stall lights or park our cars elsewhere, but set up an environment where people feel safe. And that mitigates the cascade of negative effects. But an organization can also provide financial safety and emotional safety. Financial safety is giving people an appropriate compensation for the work they do, but it's also providing open books so they understand where the organization is headed. Financial safety comes through financial education, and emotional safety comes through the human connection. Great leaders lead with humanness, with realness. Put yourself out there, and other people will do the same for you. Thank you, Mike. Guys, if you want more leadership tips like this, check out our Next Big Idea app. It's got thousands of ideas on how you can make your work life better, not to mention your romantic life, your spiritual life, your intellectual life, well, just your life, really, I guess. So look for the next big idea in your app store and come back tomorrow when we'll switch gears and talk about something that hits all of us at some point in life, grief. If you've ever lost anyone you were close to or had a bad breakup, you'll want to hear from our guest, trauma therapist, Gina Maffa, who's written a new book called Moving On Doesn't Mean Letting Go, A Modern Guide to Navigating Loss. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.